Welcome to Pitchside Perspective Podcast with your hosts Stuart Sharples and Jack Colazar. Hello and welcome to another episode of Pitchside Perspective Podcast. In this week's episode, we are delighted to welcome back a dear friend of the podcast in Broadie as he joins us for another fun episode. Over the years, there have been some unbelievable talent on show in the Premier League. From the electrifying speed of Thierry Henry to the clinical precision of Shearer's right foot. But we thought, what if we could combine the best attributes of all these players to create the ultimate player? And in today's episode, we are going to do just that. Create the ultimate player. Talking about ultimate players, Jack, how are you, mate? I'm, uh, yeah, I'm good, thanks, Stu. How are you? I'm good, Brody. How are you, mate? Welcome back. Uh, mate, as before, very excited to be here uh, and are. looking forward to another uh, dose of the pod. We're always happy to have our number one fan of the pod on the on the episode. So, uh, yeah, no, thanks for, for coming on. Um, Brody, what, uh, what beer have you enlightened us with this week? Um, so, as previously, when I was on, I had a, a couple. I've actually one-upped it and I've brought three to the party today. I have um, to keep the local theme. I've gone with a, an Ironbound uh, from here in New Jersey, Ironbound Original Hard Cider. Um, from the Lucky Dip selection, I've gone for a uh, Hackershaw Weiss beer from the Germans, and then uh, the trusty Guinness, just in case all else fails, uh, waiting in the wings. Well, I'm glad I didn't have to pronounce that second beer because I would have butchered that. Mm-hmm. Um, Jack, what are you going for? Uh, well, I knew Brody was going to be on, so I thought I needed more than one drink. Um, so I've gone for Levante Brewing Company, 99 Lager. Um, pretty Great year. Pennsylvania. And then uh, another local beer from the 2SP Brewing Company, got the Delco Lager. It's a Delaware County, not too far away from me in Pennsylvania. The Delco Lager from the 2SP Brewery. We do like to support our local breweries and the uh, not always going for the big dogs. I've gone for a very interesting can that I picked up. It's actually a massive can uh, of a skull. Um, it's called Lurking in the Depths, which is what I was doing before I was married. Uh, it's an oatmeal stout. Um, it is from the King County Brewers Collective in Brooklyn. Um, hasn't got quite the taste of a, a stout that we're all familiar with with Guinness, but I like it. It's good. I'm enjoying it. Um, but yeah, a massive can, so hopefully I can get through this by the end of the pod. Um, but yeah, question time. I believe it is my turn, Jack. Um, so I was kind of thinking about this over the last few days. With us now being on the international break and England, uh, England play Australia. I was thinking about maybe England-Australia trivia questions, but uh, I couldn't find any. <laughs> um, but are you ready for the question? Yes, We're going to go... We're going to go with this. There are 10 players with 90 caps or more for England. So 10 players have 90 caps or more for England. Who are the 10 players? Good question for international break. Brody's going to jump on it too, see how many he can get. How many How many are you expecting us to get here, Stu? 10. Are you expecting a full 10, realistically? Yeah, I think you... Well, no. I think there's nine... And there's one in there that I will be impressed if you get. But if you're a true England footy fan, which I know you both are, 
I think you've got 10 in your locker if you have a, a good think about it. When I, when I was looking at the list, actually, I was I was kind of surprised that one or two weren't in there with a shout. And when I thought of a couple of players, they were actually lower down. Um, some big players, not to throw a little uh, curveball at you, but some big players I thought would be easily in there were not in there. Yeah, so there's def- definitely some names come straight to mind that I think are certs. But getting 10 is going to be interesting. Yeah, so like, 10, play, 10 players, 90 caps or more. Brody, you good with that question? You reckon you can get yeah, some? Yeah, I just needed to clarify whether it was 90 or 100. Not that it's going to make a great deal of difference to my guesses, but... Clarifying 90 caps or more. So, uh, yeah, with the international break, we uh, we play England tomorrow. After we record this on a Thursday. But, yeah, if you're listening today, I don't really see why we're playing a friendly game. I don't know about you two, but I just feel like it's the same old. You get the Premier League going again, and all of a sudden you're playing pointless games. I, I get it for qualifier that we play Italy on Tuesday, but why are we playing Australia? Yeah, I, I'm not. I'm, like you know, I'm not always a big fan of the international breaks. It, it it's beginning to, beginning to get to the point where the biggest talking point of the international break is Southgate selections, and people are more interested in talking about that than they are about the actual games that are coming up. Um, everyone's kind of disappointed that the Premier League takes another break, and then what? You know, they'd rather talk about the the selection process than the actual games that are coming up. I know Man United are getting some momentum. We scored, we we smashed Brentford two one, and now we're uh, we're on a, a break. It's it's ridiculous. I think there's a an agenda out there against United, but uh, yeah, Brody, what's your thoughts on the the squad? Well, well, firstly, my thoughts on England are. I actually, as you know, I'm a Stevenage Borough fan, League One football. So I don't miss the Premier League as much as others. And I'm a big fan of England. Um, The reason we're playing a friendly is obviously because other countries have qualifiers. So I can see that as well. Um, In terms of the squad, that's a different matter because I think I have a lot of the same gripes other people do. Uh, for me, I think our friend Gareth has not used his non-competitive or mildly competitive games well enough. I would love to have seen a couple of selections that maybe people we need to lean on when the games do get serious. And people like, um, you know, Levi Colwell and, and players like that, they need to start somewhere. So I would like to see a few of these lesser known names in the squad and playing now so that when we do need to lean on them, they'll be somewhat ready. James Ward-Prowse, for example. You've got players like Calvin Phillips and Jordan Henderson in there. And it's the same old story with Southgate of the players who we trust, but I'm kind of getting sick and tired of that that same story and motive behind it. I think you're right, Brody, in terms of he hasn't used these lesser games, shall we say, to full effect, where he could have got players in there um but he's you know he's not a stupid guy gareth southgate so i think people who claim he doesn't know football don't really know what's going on i think he does everything for a reason but i don't like when he says things like i'm not going to play phil foden at 10 because he doesn't play there for his club team which is one argument but then he plays madison wide left when he doesn't play there for his club team. You know, for me, 
I think we've got arguably the best midfield three in world football right now in Declan Rice, Jude Bellingham and Phil Foden. But we've never once played those three together in a point down formation. So I'd like to see that for one. And uh, I, I, I think that the argument of he doesn't play there for his club is a bit of a shallow one when you've got some of the other selections. You mentioned a player there in Jude Bellingham. I think the so far this season with Madrid, he's already had seven man of the match. It, it, surely he's got to be the player that we're building the team around now for the next 10 years. Um, I would like to see Jude Bellingham against maybe not Australia, but Italy on Tuesday, taking that form from Real Madrid and coming in. Um, but yeah, I think, I think I, as England fans, we're always going to have a gripe at something within the squad. I don't think the squad's ever going to be what every fan is looking for, but I'm I'm on the same page as you in terms of I feel like there's players out there that should be getting more of a mention. And I think we spoke about it last week in terms of like the underrated players that sometimes don't get in. Um, but yeah, Jack, what what's your thoughts on this? Uh, I agree with about Bellingham. I think that's one of the more exciting points about this uh, break, being able to see Bellingham play for England and hopefully take that Madrid form into uh, into the England team and hopefully, like you say, Southgate kind of not builds a team around him, but certainly kind of make puts him in the best position possible to affect the games as he is doing for his club. Um, I agree with Brody on Levi Colwell because of his versatility playing left-back, left-wing-back, centre-back. He's certainly someone we want to gain experience. The other one for me at the back is... Is Lewis Dunk. I think he's been on great form for Brighton, and he should really, for me, he would be one of the uh, the starting centre backs uh, for England. Um, and when looking you... at the squad as well, and, and really a lack of a left back. I guess left back's going to be either Kieran Trippier or Levi Colwell. So, um, with, with because of the injuries that we have at left back right now, Henderson being selected. I don't know if it's just one of those safety things that he feels safe and secure when Henderson's there, that he can bring him on towards the end of games to see things out. I don't know if it's affected by when Henderson moved and he kind of made it public that he'd had this conversation with Southgate and he wouldn't be dropped just because of the club he played for, which I thought was a an interesting thing to come out and say and almost put Southgate under pressure to pick him a little bit. And ultimately, you got Ward-Prowse doing great things for West Ham. I think he's been underrated for a long time. And um, if he's not getting selected now, then I don't know when he does get selected. Yeah. I'm not a big lover of James Ward-Prowse, so I can see that one. But what's your boys' thoughts on um, Tamori, who's playing well, starting every game, Champions League football, but can't get a look in under Gareth when, we, when we're struggling at centre-back? Uh, I think it's ridiculous, really. I think... I think we've got to kind of go away from a player has to be playing in the Premier League to kind of get that attention. You don't really, you don't really hear much too much about it until the Champions League rolls around with him, um, which could be the downside of it. Will we see him maybe in the Premier League in the next few years? He might also be of the mindset of he might need to look to get a Premier League move before the world, the next World Cup. So he's making that squad. Um, but I think that changes now with arguably. England's best two players both playing not over, overseas and not in the Premier League with Harry Kane and Jude Bellingham being in Germany and Madrid. I, I think that kind of idea has to be squashed and that tr almost a tradition of it does seem to be harder to be selected for England if you're not playing in the Premier League. I liked Tomori a, a long time ago back 
when England were playing in major competitions, I wanted him to be in the squad and he just missed out. I think he had a bit of a dip in form just before the the selection of the last World Cup, I think it was. Mm. Um, but he was, you know, he's young. He's, him and Lewis Dunk as a centre-back pairing would be great to, to see, even in the friendly, if not the Italy game. I'd love to see him in the friendly. I think I think John Stones is is the, the automatic name at centre back. But I, I like Gay. I like Tamori. I like Colwell. I like um, Dunk. And uh, I'm not a big Maguire fan, but I'm also not a big Maguire hater either. So you know, I, I think there's there's a few proven names. I'd love to see some of the young lads come in. But there's yeah, only one way to find out if they're going to be in it, and you have to play them. So the Correct. game tomorrow against Australia. They have to be playing. Like, don't play safe. I think I think Southgate will get more fans if he doesn't play it safe and he goes out and puts out a team. He knows what his team could be against Italy. And I, I get it, they got a game momentum, but go and give some of these players their debut or get them in there and get their, their first caps. I don't know. But we are going to be building the ultimate player of the Premier League era. I uh, it's not as easy. It wasn't as easy as I thought it would be. It was pretty hard. But just to kind of break down what we're going to be looking at. So we've broken down, obviously, the human body. Um, we're going to look at feet in terms of technical ability of maybe dribbling, passing, shooting, whatever it might be. Legs in terms of pace, engine, stamina, the body to so maybe the strength of a player. Um and then the head, I think the head's the interesting part. Are you going to go for IQ? Are you going to go for a slab head, a big header of the ball? Um, but I think we start off um, with feet and we'll go through and create our ultimate player. Um, I'm happy to go first. Um, so with feet, I'm kind of thinking about, do I want somebody in there as the ultimate player? They've got to be able to do it all. They've got to have a great first touch. They've got to be able to dribble, beat a player. They've got to be able to pass it and ping it left, right and centre. And they've got to be able to finish. And for me, one player came to my mind straight away and that was Wayne Rooney. Wayne Rooney could do all of those things and many more of his feet. Please argue against that. My argument against Wayne Rooney would be, I think, shooting, finishing, range of passing, yes. I think that can... And, and, and the first touch, but... That ability to beat a defender and those kind of more the smaller uh, skills, more refined skills. I think he was going past defenders with pace and power more so than maybe intricate footwork. I think you're you're doing him a disservice there. I think he one v one. I thought he had great feet. There was little times where he'd have like a little duke or like an L turn or something like that to beat a player. I don't know. I think you're doing him a disservice there. Who have you, who have you gone for then? I'm not so. I didn't say it was a bad place, do you? I'm just saying, compared to my guy, who's a bit of a magician, just kind of a a ball master, Jonathan uh, Hogg, Gianfranco Zola. Think okay. about just just that kind of ability on the ball to maneuver it, ball on the end of his foot like it's glued to it, flicks and tricks that always come off, not just trying to show, but but actually effective skills, and it goes with that low center of gravity they had too. The way he manoeuvred the ball, and, and he, he could finish, he could goal. pass, he could cross, he could create goals, could do whatever he wanted. Nah, not being Rooney, Brody. Who've you got? I can definitely appreciate both stances here. Um, when I look at building the perfect player, I probably would have changed the categories and had 
dribbling as one, passing as the other. But I understand this is Stu's podcast, so I have to live by his rules. Well, hang on, hang on. This is 50-50. This is mine and Jack's podcast. I'm just the voice. All right. So it's Stu and Jack's podcast, so I have to live by the rules. Um, So I looked at players who were firstly good at dribbling, you know, the likes of current-day Martinelli, Saka, you know, the up-and-coming Pedro Neto. I looked at old-school Ryan Giggs, John Barnes even, and then I looked at the passers like David Beckham. Um, But for me, if you're talking about the perfect combination of dribbling and passing, which I think is more relevant to the feet conversation than finishing, then for me, the standout was definitely Kevin De Bruyne, um, who I think is, I don't think you're ever going to find anyone who's equally good at dribbling and passing. Um, I, I like the Zola shout, but I think when you talk about someone who can unlock defenses better than most, if not anyone, then uh, De Bruyne is in pretty elite company for me. I think you've, you're in with a great shout. What I am going to say about these three players is definitely two of these players well ahead of one of them. And I think we all know who that is. I think Rooney and Kevin De Bruyne are definitely higher up the pecking order than Jack's shouting Zola. Sorry, Jack. As overall players, yes, but that's not the question. You have this amazing ability to just ignore the question and start talking about other things, Stu. <laughs> His own question. And you're making up the question, yeah. It's not a case of who's the best player. Rooney's way better than Zola at a lot of things. But in terms of just feet, just what's inside his boots, and that's nothing else. But you're looking to create the ultimate player. So surely the ultimate player with their feet have to do everything. Yeah. Better touch. Who's got better touch? Zola. Who's got better ball manipulation? Zola. Rooney. He had a show about Wayne Rooney street striker. Who's better in tighter situations? Zola, who can hit a ball harder? Rooney. I think you're being unfair here. And who's the perfect blend of both? De Bruyne. Kevin De Bruyne. Oh, okay. I'm happy to go De Bruyne 1, Zola 2, Rooney 3 on that one. I, I have to lean Jack's way here. I think Rooney is a lot of things, but not renowned for his feet, I would say. I think you... Uh, I can't believe what you're both saying here. I... I think Rooney's touch was unbelievable. Mm-hmm. No, we're not saying he's not a good player. He, you know, there's a strong argument for England's top one of top five England best ever players. But I think you've been uh, coloured by your bias towards Manchester United here. If if Rooney was a Liverpool player, I don't think he'd be in the conversation. Well, he was a big Evertonian. I'm not biased at all. If you hear the, the pods before this, I hate Everton. They're like naughty school children, aren't they? So, I don't know. I just think Rooney, and we goes back, Jack, to last week's episode of underrated players, who you said was an underrated player who doesn't get the all of that. I think you look at Wayne Rooney and you say to you say to a lot of people, he was just this, I don't know, just young kid, up and coming kid who came in. But I, I just think there's so much more about Rooney. I think he was such a refined player, but. I don't know. I, yeah. I, no, I, no, I'm, I'm, no one's saying he's not a good player, but we're, saying, we're talking just purely on feet. Yeah. I think it's just that. Obviously, Rooney's a better player than Zola. Right. Rooney was, what was, Rooney's, gonna, be, what was Rooney's, Rooney's best trait? Shooting. 
right? Feet. Aggression. Work rate. Strength. Movement. Right. No, I, I definitely agree with Jackie. I think if you were to pick, if we were to have who's the best player in Premier League history, Rooney's in the conversation. But if we're talking simply on feet, I'm not sure he is. All right, well, I'm definitely not having Zola. So I... I... <laughs> What's wrong with Zola? What did he do? I just don't think he's good. He, he's got as good as feet as Rooney. We can both we can both be wrong and we can pick De Bruyne. Well, I, I think I, to be fair, I De never Bruyne, w- he has everything right. Shooting, crossing, that pass that he just kind of whips behind the back line and is able to kind of whip it and curve it back round for Haaland to get on the end of unbelievably well. And he has good touch and he, he can beat a defender when he's not injured. All I'm saying, there was never a TV show called Jim Franco Zola Street Striker and Kevin De Bruyne Street Striker. There might have been in Italy and Belgium. You never know. But no, I I agree. I think Kevin De Bruyne's feet, his range of passing, his touch. He, as Brody says, he he's probably one of the the few players that can do it both to such a high level. I think he's um, the other one I had on my list here was Matt Latissier, who you've discussed on previous pods. As you know, I'm a religious listener, um, and I think De Bruyne is Latissier, but with the athleticism. So. You know, for me, De Bruyne, you know, if we're talking about feet, there has to be an element of quickness to it, which I think De Bruyne has, Letizia didn't. I'm I'm happy to go feet of uh, KDB, Kevin De Bruyne. Yeah, my other one was the recently retired Hazard in terms of feet of dribbling, beating a defender. I just don't know if he had that kind of, that pass that De Bruyne has, I don't think anyone else can do it, where from basically anywhere on the field, he can bend the ball around the back line. Mm. Yeah. Even from deep, he's a Matt. He's a magician. All right. Well, I'm, I think this episode is good that there's three of us because obviously there's always going to be a little bit of a vote. I'm I, I'm happy to go with Kevin and Brian. I think it's going to be a freeway here. Mm-hmm. We might need to call Brian Duffy if it gets contentious. There we go. Get the mediator back in. Yeah, we'll go. We'll go to Brian. All right. So moving on to legs. Legs eleven. Um, Jack, who have you gone for for your legs? Have you gone pace? Have you gone stamina? What have you gone for? Uh, everything I've got someone who I think is uh, in the top five of the maybe I think he's in third place right now of uh, top speeds hit in the Premier League. Someone who I believe is rarely injured from what I can remember. Also, great stamina, unbelievable balance as well. Uh, I've gone for Mohamed Salah. Ooh. That's an interesting shout for legs. I don't think when you think legs, you think Mo Salah. Um... We think speed. You think athleticism, agility, stamina, lack of injuries. I think he definitely balance. could have been in for a shout with feet as well. Yeah, well, yeah. In terms of finishing, first touch, dribbling doesn't doesn't really have that passing range like De Bruyne though. True. But um, yeah, that's my shout for legs. All right. Well, legs. I've gone for. I think this guy has a a blend of speed, and I think the speed part comes into his the the players that he's kept up with, the likes of. Mbappe and stuff like that that have been in his pockets in big Champions League games, but also stamina. This player is always lasting in games, and that's uh, Kyle Walker at City. Um, I think when you when you think of right backs with a lot of speed, and when City and both England have come up against fast attacking players, Kyle Walker has always matched him. So for me, I think he he's in with a big shout of taking the legs. Brody, what's uh, 
What are you looking like for your legs? <laughs> um, leading question. So I, you know, here's a sentence I didn't think I'd ever use, but I have to agree with Stu on this one. Oh, um, back to and, my podcast. Uh, but uh, I do have an asterisk. Um, so for me, if we're talking about legs, then the number one thing we've got to be looking at is pace. Um, it's the Premier League, you know, quote unquote, the best league in the world. You know, everyone says it's 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 all about the pace of the Premier League. Um, and for me, Kyle Walker is is you know top of the charts in that regard. Um, I think he maybe could have got a look in, in in your underrated teams last week because he has been so good for so long and doesn't get the credit he deserves. Um, so I I will put forward Kyle Walker, but I do also realise as the senior statesman on this podcast, I, I need to bring some history into it. So I am going to add um, a caveat to my Kyle Walker shout and throw Thierry Henry into the mix, um, who um, doesn't really need to be talked about because uh, in terms of achieving things, there's not much he didn't achieve. And uh, when he first burst onto the scene as a left-sided forward, he was as quick as anyone. And even when he moved inside to be a nine, he uh, didn't really lose a step um, throughout his whole career. So um, one of the Premier League's best ever players, you know, and... Uh, if not the best. As a rabbit. Huh? If not the best. I think... There's a I think on reason for a shout of being in a few of these uh, contenders, what a player he was and that speed he had. He was like a gazelle. Like I always look, think about Henri and he was like one of the first players to have his socks above his knee. And I used to, as a kid, I always used to do it, pull my socks off because you want to be like Henri. Um, I think that's a great shout. Jack, what about I think, you? Yeah, I think the, the, the one, for me, they're both lightning fast. They're both quick players. Maybe if, if I've got an argument for why Henri should edge out Walker is because he went from a standing start till top speed in no time whatsoever. Walker maybe takes two steps to get going. Henri was off the mark like a flash. Ridiculous player. But then my own my only argument against that would be I agree with you in terms of you're right, in terms of that acceleration part, but how many times would Omri be like quite slow in the game? Obviously, yes, he's waiting for his chance and stuff like that. But Walker for 90 minutes is up and down, up and down. So you've got that stamina part of the legs as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I think the I think the area that Walker edges on Rion is is more the power and strength side in terms of being able to shield and protect the ball. Omri obviously could do that, but with skill and um, agility rather than Walker, I think probably has that bit more strength and power. In um in a challenge and things like that, uh, like I, I'll go back to Salah in just the sense of, from I was trying to kind of think of, of less obvious options. Walker straight line speed, absolutely. Salah, I think he's deceptively fast. I think Walker, you can tell it's fast because if a, if a ball gets played in behind him, he sprints after it and he goes, "Oh wow, he's fast." When Salah has a ball and you see speed, it's different when he glides past the defender. Maybe you don't necessarily see the speed so obviously. I think and it's a combination of speed, acceleration, agility, balance, and some of those areas like maybe agility and balance. I think Salah then takes over Walker. Flat line, mm -hmm. straight line speed. 
then obviously Walker's got it. I think Salah, Salah is one of those few players, and I put Messi in this category as well, who is as quick with the ball at their feet than when they don't have the ball. And you couldn't say the same of Walker and Henri there. Yeah, some players are fast and they look fast. Some players are fast, but they be kind of deceptive that they're actually as fast as they are. Mm-hmm. And I think Salah is one of them, unless you see the stats. And like I say, I think he's in the top three of uh, high speeds hit this season. But in terms of this argument, I actually really like what you say there, Jack, about Kyle Walker not only having the speed, but also having the strength, stamina and all-round power in his legs, probably more so than anyone else we've mentioned there. Yeah, I, I think every player that we've mentioned is in with a shout. But I think when you look at the ultimate player of like how much use you're getting out of it, I think Kyle Walker trumps the pair of Salah and Henri um, in terms of, like you said, yes, it does take maybe a step or two to get up to the full speed, but when he's at full speed, he's a horse. And then 90 minutes he's lasting. And then, as you said, Jack, the strength that guy has is unbelievable. Yeah, it looks like we're going with Walker. Yeah, I would go with Walker for the leg. So we've got Kevin De Bruyne. Is this going to be a ultimate player? Is this going to be a City player at the moment? So we've got Kevin De Bruyne's feet, Kyle Walker's legs, um, which leads us on to the body. Uh, I looked at body as like strength almost. Brody, I'll uh, I'll allow you to go first on this one. Interesting. So, so I th- again, I think there's two ways to look at this. Um, if you're talking body, I think you're talking two ways to look at it. One is you're talking physical strength. Let's say Harland, good example of it right now. Two, I think you're talking about um, physique and durability. And for me, Ronaldo is a great example of that. You know, 20 years of pro in tip top shape and uh, fit as a, a butcher's dog. Um, but I also think if we're talking about body, you have to talk about, you know, it's a bit of a trite phase uh, phrase, but the engine, um, the ability to keep going and the ability to get up and down the field, you know, best example of that in the in today's game is maybe Declan Rice. Um, so for me, I've gone for a, a, a balance of all three, someone who was strong, fit, up and back and enduring let's say and i'm gonna put into the mix mr steven gerard that's definitely an interesting shout i really didn't think about gerard when it comes to body think of like for me when i thought of body the first person i thought of was adama Traore, right like that massive like big big body i wish akin fenwa played in the premier league because i would have had him in um going back to your point you said on ronaldo though mm-hmm. my only because i thought about ronaldo but then i'm thinking he came in as that like skinny Portuguese kid, and it. I I think when you look at his physique of uh, how strong he was, was more of these Real Madrid days. That's just how I I take it. Mm-hmm. I think you're right. Maybe his last year or two, he had that. It was that specimen of a man, but that real six pack, the strength, everything. I think was more of in his Real Madrid days. Yeah, I didn't. Gerard didn't come into my thought process at all, but. Sometimes a player like that kind of goes missing in terms of when you say about strength, but I think he had it all in terms of he was a strong player, like he was that hard centre mid, but also Mm -hmm. that engine and that heart to get around. 
but I'm thinking purely in terms of the body here. You know, there's a few arguments can be made against Gerard in terms of mentality. You know, did he did he falter a couple of times at clutch moments? Did he, uh, you know, not get it across the line? But uh, in terms of actual physique, big, strong, well balanced, except for the time he fell over, and uh, a oi, you know, I thought he was, you know, I think he's, again, one of England's finest players. Yeah, no, I, I've, yeah, of course, he's definitely one of the, the best England midfielders to have ever played. And he had that engine. Um, I went for, like, pure strength. And I think this player that I've picked was, as a number nine, you just couldn't shrug him off the ball. He was so strong. And I've gone for Didier Drogba. Mm. Um I've kind of, when I'm looking at this ultimate player, like when I was looking through my team, or sorry, my player, we have the, like the niceness of the feet, the intricacy. Then you had like the Carl Walker strength. And I wanted to match that with another strong player. So that's why I kind of went for Didier Drogba. I just look at him and like power he would get on his headers and holding off players. You don't, you don't really see number nines like that, where they're like, they want, they kind of, embrace that battle that fight with the center back yeah i i, I like drogba in that in that body sense jack what about who have you gone for jack um yeah i think two good shouts there i think gerard maybe because of, of his other strengths when you think of gerard the kind of physical body attributes probably don't, don't come straight to mind because you you're immediately thinking about his passing and his finishing and his leadership of the team so maybe it's a little bit underrated in that sense I think with the Drogba one, I, I thought about Drogba a little bit. But for me, with body, when I was thinking about strength, I think there's two types of strength. There's the strength in terms of player on player, being able to protect the ball, being able to go into collisions, being able to head the ball, win headers, and the physical strength in terms of contact. And then I think there's the physical strength in terms of uh, body composition and also the you, the control of your body and being able to get body parts in places they need to be quickly with power to to do what you want with the ball. So I think I've got the guy who can do both parts of those strength things the best. Uh, wasn't in the league for a long period of time, but made an impact. And that's Zlatan Ibrahimovic. I yep. think in terms of strength up against the defender, is as strong as they come. In terms of strength, when it comes to body control, wherever the ball is, he can get a body part there quickly. He's a, He had that as well. Um, playing the oldest age players can play at the highest level as well. So in terms of body and that ability of being able to play at the highest level for long, long periods, uh, all the way up to the end of his career. But, um, I think I think Zlatan's the man. Now, going by Stu Sharple's logic, given that Ronaldo was at his youngest in the league and therefore not the most powerful, do we think that Ibra at his oldest in the league was was a contender for this position. Yeah, but yeah, I think exactly. I think that's I think... a greater argument because of how old he was and he was still in that good of a shape. Yeah, I've, still, I've got Zlatan written down. Off. He was still bouncing defenders off and, and scaring defenders that were 10 years younger than him in their peak. Oh, no doubt. Uh, yeah. I, I actually I... did have uh, Drogba on my list as well. Um, Drogba on my list came up under the, um, the head category because I think he was as good in the air as anyone, but 
when we get to heads, I'm going all brain, no heading. So I did want to give Drogba a mention, but I'm I'm actually loving the Zlatan shout. I'm not I'm not going to lie, Jack. I I wish Zlatan was in the Premier League earlier. I think he I think if you'd have had Zlatan in the Premier League at United or not at United at any team for five six years, I think you're talking about Zlatan in a completely different limelight. I think. People see him as like the what you what you see on right on social media and this I am Zlatan and and whatnot. What a player he was and how strong he was as well. Absolute juggernaut. He he might have been one to oh, he didn't play in the league long enough to get thought of in those conversations. But when it comes to underrated eleven, because like you say, if he'd have been in the league for a long period of time, it, he would now be getting probably spoken about alongside. Maybe an Henri in a year. I'm not sure, but certainly the tier below that for sure. I would have put him in this if if certainly Zlatan, Van Nistelrooy kind of yeah. Level, right? If Zlatan was say Zlatan was in the the Premier League for three or four, maybe even five years, he comes under the category of Didier Drogba, like similar, very similar styles, almost like that strength. But I think I think Zlatan could be in a in a very strong contention here to take the body. I think it's line for the body, and I think the other question, which is a side question, and the winner isn't necessarily the winner of the body question, but who would you rather have in your team, a peak Drogba or a peak Zlatan? Peak Zlatan every day. Yep, I concur, and I, I think that is the argument that is one for for body. I I'm very happy going Zlatan over Drogba for the body, but the question, Brody, Gerard or Zlatan for body? No, I, I'm actually going to go. I'm going to be persuaded here. I think all of my suggestions were kind of B plus. I think Zlatan, as he would, I'm sure, agree himself, is is an A plus. You know, I think uh, I think it's a great suggestion, and and I'm a little bit annoyed with myself for not coming up with it. Yeah, you got to do better. I'll try. There we go. Not on the podcast again. Um, no, I'm joking. You're our number one fan. Um, so that moves us on to the final part then, the head, um, which for me was the hardest one to decide. I've got, I haven't even decided yet. I've got five players wrote down here next to me. Uh, Jack, what, let's start with you. How hard, this was the hardest part. Yeah, it is the hardest because it's, there's so many different ways you could go with it. All right, so did you go intelligence? Did you go heading? Like, what did you go for? Vision? What was it? No, I, I went for kind of awareness, vision, soccer IQ, um, and I went with Luka Modric, but um, phenomenal player, phenomenal awareness. The passing range comes from also just the ability to play anywhere you want him to play, whatever role he needed to play, and have a full understanding of it. So I've gone Modric. I've gone with the mental side of the head, the IQ. The intelligence, awareness, vision. I, 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 I'm going to jump in here, and I know I'm not one of the hosts, but we have to go with the mental side of the game here. You maybe head the ball five times in a game, but you are thinking constantly in a game. And the, if we're picking the perfect player, it has to be the player with the highest soccer IQ. Well, what um, I would say is Steve Finnan did head the ball a lot, and he was smart, but I haven't put him in. I mean, I... the dream the dream would be if there was a phenomenal of the head, someone who was great in the air and also had a massive soccer IQ, which 
at one point you could have argued Van Dyke to put in there when he was at his peak for that one season, but Honestly. since then it's dropped off massively, and now you can't have that argument, I don't think. Overrated. Oh, again, United bias. Well done, Stu. He is overrated. Mm-hmm. But so, all right, well, I'm going to give you five of my players that I've gone for. Okay. So I looked at Ryan Giggs because of how he changed position, but then Ryan Giggs kind of went out in terms of uh, he had the discipline of the mental side of it. He had vision, but I think there's there's better out there, which led me on to his, uh, his bestie, Paul Scholes. I think Paul Scholes is in with a great shout. But then... I'm kind of thinking to myself. Are you just going to list five Man United players? <laughs> no, no, I'm not. Nicky Butt next. <laughs> <laughs> um, then I went Michael Carrick, then Darren Fletcher. No. Um, <laughs> it, this this one was a big one. Dennis Burkamp. I think Dennis Burkamp was a very smart player. And the one example of that, that little tur- that touch he has around him where he spins a defender to score that goal. Smart. But then... I went one more than that. And I think there's a player with an even better IQ, better vision. He eats Modric for breakfast. And that's David Silva. One yeah, of shot. one of the best centre midfield to play in the Premier League. Yeah, my, only, my big thing, I think the one argument that can kill that straight away is that David Silva played 10. He was an attacking midfielder. But if you asked him to play six, he wouldn't have been able to. Well, I mean, he probably couldn't do it, but he never did. Right, whereas Modric's played six, eight, ten. You could put him on the wing, you could put him wherever he wanted. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't put uh, Modric on the, the wing. Game. He could. Well, I'm saying at times when he got thrown out there for Tottenham to, in a pinch, that he could do it. So I think he the versatility shows his intelligence on the field and understanding of the game and position play and everything like that too. Because mm-hmm. the other person I had thought of, but I just didn't really see him play because of an age thing was, but just because of stories that you hear was Glenn Hoddle. Yeah, but ever since I've watched the Beckham documentary, I don't like Glenn Hoddle anymore. Again, more, more rose-tinted spectacles from Stu Sharpless. <laughs> and I also think we need to be very cautious of uh, Stu Sharples talking about intelligence, to be honest. Um, oh, hang on. <laughs> and his noodleisms. <laughs> the noodleisms. Um, now, for me, I, I, I literally only contemplated three players for this list. And the first one was Glenn Hoddle, but I struck him off. Um, so I've I've narrowed it down to two players, and they're both on my compatriot Noodles list. Um, the first name I put down was Dennis Bergkamp, um, because he was just a, a master at seeing things other people couldn't see. Um, but to Jack's argument of he was he played typically in one position and was by by that definition, a little bit one-dimensional. So for me, the ultimate soccer IQ, the player who played in all three central midfield positions, and I think maybe unchallenged in this position, Paul Skulls for me is the uh, is is the head on our uh, is the ginger head on our imaginary player. Yeah, and I think when when you talk about Paul Skulls, and I think Jack said this the other the other week in terms of. When you go and speak to like top top players like your your Zidane's, Iniesta's, who do they reference the whole time of who they wish they played with or who the best centre midfield player is? It's Paul Scholes, and I think you've hit the absolute nail on the head there. Towards the end of his career, that holder midfield, 
picking the ball up and just seeing the game so quick. At the start of career, he was almost like a second striker. He was that attacking midfielder, getting those goals. They still, Scott... they still use Paul Scholes as a case study in La Masaya in Barcelona uh, in terms of scanning the field, seeing the field and, and making runs before the play develops. And I think, uh, you know, what better sort of testimony than 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 having arguably the best academy in the world using you as an example and, and I agree the Zidane's of this world always say he was the toughest to play against because he was doing things one or two beats ahead of of the best in the world and uh, for me he was you, you, it's easy for us to discard him as as, as, a, as a soccer IQ guy because he's not a flashy player not in the limelight he's maybe not as articulate on podcasts like this as, as other people but for me when you put him on a field he was he was right up there with the best of them yeah, what what why is it that he isn't thrown up there with the best Do well you know, i think he... to stew's point he would be by people who played with him and played against him but he maybe isn't because he was in a team full of superstars who who all had uh, you know maybe better media personalities than he did. Yeah, when you're playing in, in the best team ever to ever exist, he's going to be um, shadowed by the talent around him. Um, but that was a little bit of a joke. But Paul Scholes is... you you could have put him in any position. And you look at like England, how they even tried putting him on the left. That goes to your argument there, Jack, of Luka Modric could play any position. Yeah. How many times did we see Paul Scholes playing on the left for England? Because he could probably do it, but it just wasn't his best position. He did, he did do it at Man United a few times as well. I think mm-hmm. people forget that when they, they like to blame the England managers for things, but he did play there for Man United at times. I'm always happy um, to be beaten by Paul Scholes. So I, I'm fine with putting him in there. I think, yeah, towards the end of his career, even when he probably wanted to retire and he kept getting talked out of retiring, the game looked so easy for him. It was, it's like when when that one guy turns up at five aside who's way better than everyone else and just pings the ball about, and that's what he did. Like, did not look like any pressure on his shoulders at all, and just and went the out consistency for a as well. Consistency, yeah. The goals, well, I mean, that's not really what we're talking about. I guess we're talking about the IQ, but yeah. I think for him too. the The other thing with this with this part is maybe some players did have the IQ and the intelligence and the vision, but they didn't have the technical attributes to follow through with it too, right? Like these players we're talking about, it's one thing being able to see the pass or or see um, something that's on, but it's another thing to actually be able to follow through with the ability to do it. And I think that's why Paul Scholes probably has to be the head of this ultimate player. I think, like you said, there in terms of. Paul Scholes could see it and execute it. How many players do we see in the modern game? They they see it, but there's poor execution. Yeah, I think Paul Scholes has to be in here. Um, and also, like you, yes, we talk about the the intelligence, the vision, but his discipline and dedication to the game as well. Like you wouldn't see, you wouldn't hear him getting into any trouble or anything like that. He was so locked down and just. Down to earth, and that that comes from the head part as well, from the mentality of him. Yeah, people used to say he couldn't defend, which 
I don't think it's necessarily true. I think he made a lot of fouls, but I think when you look at the modern game and you and you look at how teams use fouls, I think that's actually become more and more conscious for teams, uh, or maybe just fans are more conscious of it now. But if you ask, I remember Jimmy Rennap talking about him and and saying, you know, people say he can't tackle, but he can. He knows what he's doing. Like he's fouling on purpose because he knows he'll stop the game. He'll know he's getting into people's minds and things like that too. So um, I think he was. I think he gets the recognition for his intelligence on the ball. I think sometimes maybe he's underestimated defensively. Yeah, so I think I think we're all in agreement, right? Paul Scholes goes in as the head of the player. I don't think there's an argument against it, to be honest. Perfect. So then we've gone for, just to wrap it up, Kevin De Bruyne's feet. We've gone for Kyle Walker's legs, Zlatan's body, and Paul Scholes' head. Very Manchester themed player. It is. This is a player I would definitely love to see. Um, it it was curious, right? Like all of the episodes that we've done so far, this one was almost more of a one of my most enjoyable ones, just because of you can kind of use your imagination a little bit, and I feel like it took me back to like my days as being a kid of like being in the back garden or at your local park with your mates and you'd always replicate something that just happened in a game or playing like Wembley doubles, whatever it might be. And you would pretend to be these players. Of course, you're not these players, but it just took me kind of a little bit down memory lane with some of these players. Yeah, I can't believe that you used to pull your socks over your knee like Thierry Henry at right back or whatever position you were getting stuck at. <laughs> no, but that... You know, if 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 you if you couldn't be the part, you're going to caravan the behind you. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, I've really enjoyed kind of building our ultimate player. Um, but before we do head off, Jack Brody, the ten players to have played ninety games or more for England. I, I think I'm in decent shape with this one. There's one that's been bugging me because. I'm, I'm actually going to throw down a claim. I reckon I'm getting 10 out of 10. All right. So, obviously, the quiz has been me versus Jack, but I'm happy to I've let got, our I've guests try and roll out 10 answers. Yeah, I think I've got eight definites, one likely, and one I can not think of his name. All right, so maybe maybe we go Jack with the eight, and once you're struggling at eight, we have Brody step in. All right. We'll and I think this, this question is maybe a little... Uh, skewed in the favour of the older listener such as myself um because i think that the tough ones to get are uh harking back to probably even before my generation but probably two generations before jack collazar who's just a, a young whippersnapper indeed so jack who is your first player all right so i start off i think he holds the record for the most caps peter shillen correct okay and then i've got some ones that i think are Pretty obvious, so Rooney, Beckham, Lampard. Hang on, hang on. slow down, slow down. So we got Shilton. Yep. Rooney. Correct. Beckham. Correct. Lampard. Correct. Gerard. Correct. Got a couple of World Cup winners. Bobby Charlton. Bobby Moore. Correct. Correct. Uh, is Ashley Cole in there? Ashley Cole is in there. Uh, um, how many is that? Five, six, seven, eight. 
That's, That's eight. eight. I need okay. two more. Uh, the one that I think. All right. So then there's one. I I know there's a player who's got more than 100 caps from way back, and he's called Billy something. But I can't remember his last name. Yeah, yeah, yeah Billy, Billy something. Billy Wright. Oh, Billy, is it Billy Wright? Okay, there you go. Billy Wright. I was just gonna throw a Billy Smith in there yeah, just to throw yeah. a name in there, but. And then my other one, one is a Jack. To- yeah, so my other one is a toss up between two players, one one from a bit back in the day, Brian Robson, and the other one's Michael Owen. Who are you going gonna- for? I, I I will guarantee it's Brian Robson. So I was going to go with Owen up to about three seconds ago. So now I'm going to go with Brian. So now Robson. I'm I'm actually second guessing it now, but I think it's Brian Robson. Is it not? Oh, oh. see, I, I this is hard because this is like to Brody's point. I I wasn't there watching Brian Robson play, but I saw Michael Owen playing a lot of games. So there's one cap in it. One of them has eighty nine. One of them has ninety. I'll, I'll go with Brody's. Jack, what is your final answer? Owen or Brian Robson? I'm going to go with... Uh, Brody swayed me to go with Brian Robson. Definitely Brian Robson. Correct. Brian Robson, 90. Michael Owen, 89. Oh, wow. Wow. So I, didn't know, I didn't know Owen had as many as that. He wasn't even on my list. So uh, who's the highest current player? Kane? Current player? Harry Kane, yeah. yeah. How many has he got? 86. Oh, so he's going to cruise part. Well, Peter Shilton's what, 125, something like that? Yeah, so you're talking what, 20, 39 more caps? Yeah, he's going to beat that, isn't he? Um, which is great for an outfield player. But uh, for me. I also think it comes down to how many games did England play back in the day compared to. Was, you... Billy, was it Billy Wright? Yeah. Right. For him to get that many games playing at that, what did he play, 40s, 50s, something like that? His, fir- his first game was in 1946 against uh, Ireland. So and for you, him to get yeah, someone like uh, Bobby Moore, who, in my opinion, is England's best ever player, um, if he was playing in this day and age, he'd have got 150, I think. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, because Bobby Moore's international career was only 11 years. Exactly. So, but yeah, no, hopefully uh, everyone's enjoyed this episode and enjoyed the question. We may have missed a player in the ultimate player. Please get in touch on social media or email us with who you think is our ultimate player. Um, but for myself, I've really uh, enjoyed this episode. Brody, again, thank you for coming on. I uh, hope you enjoyed yourself. I did. Uh, I loved it, as always. I was, I'm was. i a little dismayed I didn't get asked the uh, five questions again. But uh, I, I'll, I'll, say it, I'll say it. Well, you know. <laughs> Maybe um, I'll save that for the for the third appearance, um, which is hopefully not too far away. There we go. Three appearances gets a hoodie. So there we go. Oh. But uh, yep. Yeah, enjoy your weekends, and we bid you a farewell. Thanks, guys.